It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 at News Talk, WSB, 40.8 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden, however you define success. Or if you need an excuse, I will give you an excuse for why you don't need to do that in your garden. All you have to do is call, talk to Ashley for a minute to get your questions straightened out for me at 404 872 50. It's my rule, it's my rule that if you get a text message or a phone call in the middle of the night, it's generally not a good thing. So this morning I got a text message at 5.05, and I thought, oh, Lord, something's happening now. What's wrong with my son? What's happening with my family? Oh, Lord. It was the lovely Ashley Frasca saying, look outside, the moon is really pretty right now. <laughs> <laughs> so those of you who are driving right now can appreciate the moon. It's just about 100% full right now, and it is big and glowing on the horizon. It is a gorgeous moon outside, and I'm lucky enough at the street near my street, before I come out onto the little more trafficy street, is perfectly centered as I drive down that road, and I see the moon right in front of me for almost a mile I can see that big, big, big white moon directly in front of me. Pretty interesting on a Saturday morning. And one of the things that I want to mention today, you know, we have talked, we've talked about immigrants. Immigrants has been in the news for the past uh, month or two months now. Well, it's been in the political cycle for years now about the, the role of immigrants and immigration and things like that. But I want to talk about natives right this minute because I am delighted to welcome the native bees back to my lawn every year, every year around this time, around the first two or three weeks in March, I notice little mounds of dirt, little mounds of clay, little well, about an inch high, about two inches wide, I guess, and they're just very distinct against the dormant grass in my front lawn because the ground bees that laid their eggs in the ground last year, same time, finally hatch out the first couple of weeks in March. These are native bees. They're, they're called solitary bees because they don't have a hive. What they do is the females go out at this time of year and collect pollen. They are one of the earliest pollinators for the apples and blueberries, peaches, other things that are, that are blooming right now, and they pollinate them. They bring some of the pollen back to their little nest that they make in the ground, a little tube that they have down into the ground. And these native bees then are the pollinators that we welcome in the early part of the spring, and they're completely harmless to anyone who walks around in them. I was really, really, really proud and pleased about, it's been about a week and a half ago now, that the first person in my neighborhood mentioned it and mentioned that there was a particular intersection near my house. And they said, by the way, everybody who's standing at that intersection waiting to go to school, don't worry about the bees that are living in that little grassy patch there. Those are native bees, and they're pollinators. Leave them alone, please. And other neighbors all chimed in and said, oh, we have a little colony of native bees in our front yard. I chimed in and mentioned that my native bees were just starting to emerge right then. And the thing I pointed out to everyone, as most people in the group knew, 
is that the male bees are the ones that they hover around the ground. They hover around about a foot off the ground, and they try to, quote-unquote, protect the little nest that the female bees have dug into the ground. They try to protect that little nest in the ground. Sadly, they have nothing to protect with. They don't have a stinger. And so those male bees, all they can do is zoom up to you and zoom away, much like carpenter bees do, which are out now as well. But the male ground bees, digger bees, ground bees, whatever you want to call them, are just hovering around the ground. You can walk in and amongst them. You can lay down around them. You can do anything you want to with them. The female bees do possess a stinger, and the sting is like somebody sort of thumped you with their fingernail. It is not a big sting at all. They have very, very, very small stingers. They don't use them to defend themselves against much of anybody at this time of year because there aren't many predators, there aren't many other insects to compete with, so they don't really need a stinger. All they need is the ability to fly, the ability to detect flowers, the ability to collect pollen, and they go about their business without bothering anyone. Within, I don't know, two weeks maybe from now, the females will have finished filling their little nest, a little pollen tube, and laying eggs in that pollen, and they will die. They'll go away, and the rain will come and wash the soil back down onto the surface of the ground, and all those little holes will disappear. Now, the way that you can tell that these are bee holes in the ground rather than, let's say, worm holes where earthworms have pushed dirt up is that the bee holes have little holes. They literally little hollow places right in the middle of this mound of dirt, an inch high and two inches wide. And the hollow, the hole in the middle is about the size of a pencil eraser, about a quarter inch in diameter. And the bees, if you look carefully for just more than a second, you can see the females going in and out, in and out, in and out as she does her work. And so it's very easy to find these little bee nests in the ground, very easy to see them doing their work. And we should welcome these native bees because every spring there's something that I look forward to having in my landscape and something that I look forward to pollinating the blueberries in particular that I have in my landscape. So there you go. Native bees, they're here. Welcome them. Don't do anything about them. They're certainly not harmful. If you just can't abide the little mounds they make in your lawn, which I hope you'll allow them and tolerate them because it's only a short time until they're but if you just can't abide them, I suppose you can wash them down with a water hose and the bee population will gradually diminish. If you have a question about bees, about pollination, about beginning gardening questions, about organic gardening questions, about trees and shrubs and flowers, about your soil, about what you should be doing for your lawn, 404-872-0750. Our first call this morning, as it does every Saturday morning, goes down to Griffin, Georgia, and our friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Miss Ari! Hey, did you see the moon this morning? Great mind, thanks. I like, isn't it? Because first thing I say, uh, Ashley, I said, did you see the moon? She said, yes, I called. <laughs> I called uh, <clears throat> Mr. Reeve. Yeah, yeah. Well, every every Saturday, I know this first hour, the 6 o'clock hour, is the time when a lot of people are driving. The people are coming back from their work in hospitals and police, you know, fire and safety folks are coming back and forth. And so all the people out there driving right now have the opportunity to see that moon. It is gorgeous. It's got a lot of influence on us, isn't it? Because of the weather. I always say that uh, the last full moon in Mars is the one you have to worry more because one. of the change of weather. Well, I guess I guess that's right. I don't know if it's always the last full moon in March is when the weather changes drastically, but certainly as today, I mean, my gosh, it's 
cold, 40 degrees right now, going into the 30s, I think, to overnight, and then chilly next week, and just a vaguest hint of snow perhaps in North Georgia. So it is some change from the warm summer weather we had last week, certainly. The bumblebees, they have a good memories too, isn't it? Because I cut one of my blueberry and I saw them looking for the blueberry yesterday. <laughs> I know. The, and the bumblebees, the way that they pollinate is sort of interesting. Rather than going into the front of the flower like most small bees do, bumblebees are too big to get into the flower. And so they simply go along the side of the flower and stick their sharp tongue through the side, and they suck the nectar out. And as they buzz, basically, there next to the flower, that's how bumblebees pollinate blueberries. They have this... Uh all this yellow stuff on their nose and tongue. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And on the nose and tongue. And then other, when they leave a little bit of nectar in there, the smaller bees will go into the blueberry and, and pollinate in the normal way. But bumblebees do it from the side. They don't do it from, from the front. Uh, I like to talk about roaster. What about roosters? <laughs> Roosting roasters, or roasting roosters? What do you want to I talk don't. about chickens for? <laughs> I go a place to rescue plants, and uh, it's an empty garage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw something dark on the corner, and I was careful to look at it. It was an ant sitting on his eggs. It wasn't a rooster sitting on their eggs. I'll tell you that, Nicole, right now. Roosters are male and do not sit on eggs. No, I was, it was an ant. A hen. Oh, <laughs> sitting on the eggs. And she cannot leave because the egg's going to get cold? She'll leave for a little bit, for a couple of minutes. Um, one of the things that I point out to teachers who are incubating eggs for their classroom is that if you have some power outage for a few minutes in the classroom, it's not going to kill the eggs because hens will leave the nest for a minute to get a drink of water, to eat some corn, but they'll come back. You're right, you're right, Nicole. They come back and they keep pretty constant uh, uh, presence on top of the eggs to keep them from getting too cold. So how long is she going to have to sit there? 21 days. <laughs> 21 days. What if you had to, had to stay somewhere and just be perfectly sitting down in a chair for 21 days? That would not be fun. Oh, she's just like, I don't disturb her because I went back the next oh, day to, no. to see if she was there. Yeah. But she only moved her head, and she's really still. If you get close to her, she'll make a particular sound in her throat that I can vaguely imitate right now. It's sort of this growl. She'll go, <laughs> She is a broody hen, and that was common on the chicken farm where I grew up, was Chickens, for some reason or another, I don't know what, would trigger them to become broody. And even though there were no roosters, even though the eggs were not fertile on our chicken farm, if you had a broody hen, she would sit on one egg in the nest and like, like that, and you would simply you know, sort of shield yourself. Sometimes she would peck you because she was defending her egg. And uh, you would shield yourself from her from her uh, beak and from her wings from beating on you and you'd grab that egg off under her and put it in the basket and begun with it. And uh, she would uh, eventually stop being broody and join the rest of her friends. What about the rooster? Uh, I noticed that uh, they have so many pretty colors. Us yes. in Canada, we only have the white rooster with a red thing on it. Oh, well, there's got to be some other different kind of roosters in Canada. There are colorful roosters everywhere. Yeah, you know, since then, but when I was a kid, that's all we had. Oh, he oh, was yeah. mean. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was just running after us. We could not <laughs> get the eggs. <laughs> he was and protected. The ants, they follow the rooster like in life. We, we are good men. We need to follow them. I don't know about that. I think there are a lot of good women that men would do well to follow them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, what call the caller? I mean, what kind are they? What kind of what? The the rooster, if they have all kind of color, they have. Oh, there are many kind different of kinds rooster. of roosters. Oh, there's you know dozens, if not hundreds, of breeds of chicken, right. and each one has different colors: the Rhode Island red versus the Dominecker versus the white Leghorn versus you know any number of Aracana, and I could just go on and on and on of the different breeds, and each one has a different distinctive color. So the uh, the one that's got white on this feather, probably along a a. a, a a, 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 what did I just say? The uh, white leghorn okay. is the one that's white. I'm looking at the clock, Nicole. i got to go. Jason's going to yell at me if I don't get out of here pretty quickly. But you go out and look at the hen, and she'll just sit there and growl at you if you get close to her. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day, Nicole. We'll see you soon. It's 619. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. 40.1 degrees right now. Drop down a couple of degrees for a minute. And back up to the low 60s this afternoon. Lots of sunshine today. Overnight about the same. Tomorrow, sunshine, but the chance of rain moving in. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Real quickly, we'll get Barry in here. Dar Barry is in Tequila. Hey, Barry. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Hi. How can I help? All right. Uh, it's a B question. Uh, I do not see any of the mounds in the ground. However, I have... Uh, just a tremendous amount of bees yeah. around a holly bush. Yeah, holly tree. sure, sure. This is the time of uh, year when hollies are blooming, and they're one of the first nectar sources for honeybees, not only the domesticated honeybees, but also for those native bees I was talking about. They're all over holly bushes now. Well, I'm hoping they're the, the native honeybees that won't sting you. Is that the case? You know, there are some domesticated, the regular honeybees that could possibly sting, but Barry, they are so hungry right now that if you get stung, it's like a one in a million chance. I've never been stung. I've walked through those next to the holly bush at the corner of my property. And they're just not going to be thinking about stinging and defending right now. They're thinking about getting something to eat for the rest of the bees back in the colony. So I doubt you have anything to worry about, even though there's some regular honeybees in there and some native mixed in too. So the the duration that they'll be swarming like this is a pretty short period of time? Yeah, it's just as long as the holly bush is blooming, that's all it'll take, and that'll be another, what, 10 days maybe, and that's about it. No, no worries about it. 628 at News Talk WSB, back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635 on a Saturday morning, 39 degrees outside, as I mentioned a minute ago. 
you want to get up early this morning and get a deal, go to Pike Nursery. Today is their beginning of their strawberry weekend. With a purchase, with any purchase, you get a free strawberry plant today as long as supplies last. Also tomorrow, again, as long as supplies last. An 8.30 class on growing blueberries and a, I think it's 5 o'clock class of growing, no, it's 8.30 is strawberries and 5 o'clock this afternoon is blueberries. Check your local Pike Nursery location to ask for details. Find details at pikenursery.com. And a reminder, I'll be at Scottsdale Farms up in Alpharetta today at 11 a.m. answering garden questions and introducing some of the best plants you can plant in your landscape this spring. Scottsdale Farms, 11 o'clock this morning. We come up to uh, the, 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 Megan. Megan is in Decula and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Megan. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Walter? I'm quite well. How can I help? Well, I we my husband and I are planning on starting a raised bed this year, awesome. and I have a few questions about it. Number one, start me Number off. Number one, um, do we need to remove the Bermuda grass that is underneath? Yes, unless you want a lifetime of regret. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> Bermuda grass is a bad thing in the garden. Get it out. So, so we, um, I've read several places online that say you can like scoop it up and flip it over and just pack it back down upside down. Is that okay, or should I get rid of it totally? Get, get rid of it. Packing it down, scooping it and flipping it over like that might work with fescue. It might work with centipede grass. But, boy, with Bermuda grass, it just says, oh, no problem. I'm just upside down. I'll keep going up up through the tomatoes, up through the beans and everything you have. Don't yep. let the Bermuda grass stay. So should I? Should we make like a, an area around the bed, too, that has no grass? That makes sense to me, because Bermuda is a creeper, if not a leaper, and it'll yes. climb in from areas around the bed into the bed. Yeah, I would, I would get rid of all of it. And then do we need to put down like, um, like one of those black mat things underneath on top of the, the ground? No. Okay. There's no need to do that, because... We've got the Bermuda grass is gone, so you're not preventing any weeds because they're all gone. And right. you interrupt what's called the, um, for lack of a better word, the structure there of the soil. Of There's an interface where that black stuff is that keeps the roots of anything that wants to go deep in your bed from going mm -hmm. deep in the bed. So the mat stuff is not necessary. Okay. And then when should we plant? Um, I'm actually going to buy plants. Okay. The tomatoes and cucumbers and probably some herbs. I don't know what else I'll do yet. Yeah, yeah sure. So when when to plant them is when, the question? Yes. Not now. Yes. <laughs> it's too cold. Um, I mentioned last Saturday that, Megan, when you can sit on the ground in your shorts and a T-shirt and you don't get uncomfortable after 10 or 15 minutes, then it's warm enough to plant tomatoes. You, okay. The ground temperatures have to be warm enough for the roots to spread and grow. And even if you were stubborn and said, I'm going to tell that man on the radio I'm going to plant my tomatoes this weekend anyway, even if you plant tomatoes right now, the soil is still cold enough that they'll sit there and sulk and not do anything for the next couple of weeks until finally it warms up enough to really take off. So there's no real advantage to planting now. Wait a couple of weeks till it's warmer, till the soil is warmer. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Megan, it's such a great idea talking to you. Call me again. If you have a beginning gardener, you have more questions that will come up, and I'll be glad to answer them. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Drive safely. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Speaking of beginning gardeners, I had a great morning yesterday having a live chat with the 7th graders at J.C. Booth Middle School down in Peachtree City. And we arranged, the teacher and I, Mr. Bagel and I, arranged to have this live chat. And the kids there are all, they're teams of, of students at J.C. Booth. 
that are having gardens where they're growing plants to feed a little bit to the other students in the in the school. And so they had lots and lots of questions about how to plant onions and when to harvest a kale and whether microgreens were a good idea and how much sunshine the plants needed. These are beginning gardeners where they're starting out with the exact right questions to become good gardeners when they're adults. We go to Greg. Greg's in Loganville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Greg. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, yeah, I got my pineapple plant in probably about a 20-inch pot down in my basement. Uh, awesome. When the weather finally turns warm, when's the best time to stimulate it with the rotten apple? I know oh, yeah. Is it growing and rooted? How long have you had it in the pot? Give me more details. Okay, well, I repotted it probably about another about a year ago, so it's okay. uh, probably eight, nine years old now. Wow, so. that is awesome. For listeners who are wondering what Greg is talking about, stimulating it with the rotten apple, Pineapples are a member of the bromeliad family, and bromeliads are very sensitive to a gas called ethylene, ethylene gas, which is part of the gas that's put off by rotten, decomposing fruit, apples and bananas and things like that. And so one of the ways you can stimulate a bromeliad to bloom, a pineapple to bloom, is to put a bag over the pineapple, put a rotten apple or a rotten banana in there, and let it stink up the place, for lack of a better word, with the ethylene gas. And that will sometimes cause the pineapple to send up a little bloom bud, and then you have a pineapple on top of it, and then, oh boy, oh boy, Greg is happy. So the time to do it is not now, but later when it gets a little bit warmer and you can put it outside because, you know, part of the process is sunshine. You've got to have sunshine to make the sugars, to make the pineapple be sweet for Greg. And so when it is um, warm enough to put the pineapple outside, put it in a place that's bright shade is my definition, not full sun, but bright shade, bag over the top, pineapple or apple or banana inside. I'll leave it there for a day or two, I guess. That's not really all it takes. And then well, is that take all it takes? Just off. a yeah. day or two? Okay. Yeah. Wow. And remember, not in full sun, because obviously if you put it in yes, full sir, sun, right. the bag would make it too hot so and all that. But exactly. bright shade would be fine. Leave it there in the bright shade for the next uh, for the rest of the summer. And you should by, I would think, June or July. June, probably. See a little bud starting in the middle of the pineapple leaves, the crown uh, that's there in your pot. And... Hopefully by August you can call me back, Greg, and say, I'm a father. I have fathered right. a pineapple. Okay, all right. Hey, do you have time for one more quick one? One more quick one, yeah. All right, thank you. i got a hyacinth bulb and a, a glass vase my wife does in the kitchen, and yeah. the water's got a little algae in it. How often should we change the water out of it? Whenever it, whenever it gets green. Or, all right, okay. All or right. whenever she says so, whichever comes first. All right, I understand. Yes, sir. Right. Thank you, sir. You have a wonderful day. You bet, Greg. Thanks for calling. Thank you. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Greg's place. Kim's out in Toco Hill. Kim joins us. Hey, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I had some big sweet gums removed early last year. Yeah, good for and you. <laughs> they formerly, yeah, no, no loss there. None. And they formerly provided shade for some hostas. And uh, during the summer last year, the hostas um, got some little burn marks on them because they were in direct sun. So I want to move them. When would be the best time to move them and divide them up? I mean, they're just going to start poking out. Yeah, I say the the day they're poking out. When you notice the poking out part, for listeners who don't know what poking out (laughs) means, when when leaves come up in the spring, after the wintertime, the leaves sort of uncurl out of the ground. And when you see those leaves first poking up and uncurling, that would be a great time to move them and divide them if you need to. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much. 
I wish I had your courage, really and truly, Kim, because I have a sweet gum in my backyard, and I wish to goodness I had taken that thing down 20 years ago, and it still provides shade for a lot of the natives in my backyard, so I don't want to take it down. But, man, those balls drive me nuts. I've almost, I've, I've, I've slipped on them on the driveway, and they're almost like a ball buried. Oh, yeah. They, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. They're absolutely dangerous. If I get a little bit older and go to the hospital, it's going to be for a broken nose from slipping on the sweet gum balls. Yeah, yeah. So. Right. All right, well, thanks a bunch. You bet, Kim. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. So, Ashley, you've got a sweet gum tree, or do you have sweet gum balls there in your in your driveway? Yeah, it's behind the house, and yeah. we're actually doing the treacherous work of painting the outside of our house. Yeah. So before Hubby sets up a 28-foot ladder against the house, I go along and kind of kick all the sweet gum balls away <laughs> right. from the house so that the ladder doesn't get stuck on them, and I proceed to fall flat on my face and skin my knees because yeah. of the stupid sweet gum balls. Yeah. Stupid, stupid. Okay, I know that sweet gum seeds that are in those balls, there are dozens of seeds in the balls, feed birds, and some of the most ardent defenders of sweet gums are the native animal folks who say the birds come and they eat those seeds out of there, it feeds the birds, the native birds in the wintertime and stuff like that. Let the birds eat something else. Let them not eat my sweet gum tree ball seeds because I still don't like them. I have two big feeders in the backyard, so yeah, yeah my birds really? aren't starving. I really? can do without the sweet gum. Eat the f- sunflower seed. Don't eat the sun. Don't eat the. Well, we're not going to get onto that. <sighs> Let me calm down a little bit right here. <laughs> Nick, <laughs> Nick is in Auburn, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Nick. Good morning. Morning, Walter. I, uh, um, we're all heated up here, Nick, about sweet gums. How can I help? I had a question about. I was going to see if I could run through a timeline of events that I've got for my Bermuda grass. All right. Um, about a year ago, I purchased purchased a new home with some Bermuda grass that was pretty rough. Um, about two weeks ago, I decided I want to get the lawn right, so I went and I sprayed glyphosate over the entire thing. Got it. Um, I didn't have any uh, green sprigs coming up of new growth Bermuda, so I figured I would be fine um, trying to kill off all the, the weeds and, and anything that was green. Yeah. Um, so my next step, my, my question is, should I, I'm trying, have you ever, are you familiar with a slit cedar? Sure. Yeah. You rent them. Sure. Um, well, I've tried all over to try to find one and I was, I can't, I'm having, having some trouble trying to find one for a, a lawn purpose, residential. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to see if maybe aerating it four times, you know, north, south, east, west, and then repeat that would give enough soil contact, soil to seed contact to to really get some Bermuda germinating. Yeah, the great, great question, and you are correct. If you can't find the slit cedar, aerating thoroughly would be just about as good. Yeah. Okay. Um so then, you know, when the soil temp gets to 75, give or take? 70, I would say 65 to 70 is about right. So that's going to be in, what, early May maybe? Yeah, early May. Try it in early May. Um, so just aerate real heavy. And, and then, then the seed. And a lot of times it works best because the seeds are so tiny to mix it with grits or dry sand or something like that to sort of even things out so you don't blow away $30 of uh, Bermuda seed with a sneeze. So mix those up together and then spread them very evenly, lightly over the whole yard, and you've got a pretty good germination by the first week of June. Okay. And um, 
what are, what are your thoughts on maybe trying to get a, a more premium Bermuda seed like a Princess 77 or a Yukon or something of that nature? Is that I tell you, I the Princess 77 is a gorgeous grass, and it's much deeper green than the common Bermuda or some of those ones that have been around for 20 years. So sure. if you can afford the Princess 77 or one of the improved varieties, I'd say go for it. You'll be prouder of that grass than as you would be of sod. Some of it looks just like sod. Good deal. Thanks a lot, Walter. All right, nothing to it. Thanks for calling. Take care. In the next half hour, hey, Benny, I want you to stay on the line because Benny wants to talk about bees, and I want to talk to him right after this, and we'll be right back after this at 648. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. 39 degrees outside right now. Going up into the low 60s this afternoon, I think. Lots of sun today. Chance of rain tomorrow. Still warm in the afternoon, but chilly overnight in the 40s overnight. Your full weekend forecast. Comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Benny is in Covington and joins us this very minute. Hey, Benny. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Walter. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Ben. How can I help? Very good. I've uh, got, got some real fast ones for you here. I, yes. I'm in the process of landscaping. I'm going to have a garden area. We're talking annuals, perennials, uh, bushes, and assorted uh, plants of all kinds. Yeah. All right. For the, uh, I'm thinking about having a clematis or something like that that's going to cover uh, the bench that I'm going to make. And I was wondering about the possibility of getting stung by a bee. I don't want the grandchild to walk into the uh, area and get stung. Are, grease, are, are bees uh, usually uh, aggressive, or they just kind of run away unless you just aggravate them, or what? Mostly run away. Almost always run away unless you aggravate them, unless they're around a hive then they're not defensive at all. They're just thinking about this food there in that flower. Got to go get some of that. And if the, you know, if the grandkid sits on one, that's a different story. If you've got a lot of white clover in the lawn where the bees like to wander around in the white clover flower, sometimes a barefooted grandchild will step on one and they'll sting them on the foot. Okay. So get rid of the white clover and give the grandkids some flip-flops and <laughs> end of the story. Right, okay. I appreciate that. Got a couple of very fast ones here. I, I'm having to uh, redo my lawn. I've got more bare spots and, and uh, weeds than I, than I need, and I'm just going to have to start over. Okay. And uh, I'll have to kill the grass. And uh, I think you would recommend uh, that I get some uh, 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 what's, what's right, what's Roundup, that? usually. You kill them first. Roundup? Yeah. Okay. Is it just a, a, a Roundup that, does, that kills everything and it won't kill the trees or anything like that? Yeah, as long as you don't get Roundup on the leaves of the tree and don't spray it on the trunk or the roots, you know, directly. But as long as the Roundup oh. is just hitting the weeds and the grasses you don't want anymore, spray that. Not brush brush killer, but just straight Roundup, it'll say on the label, used for weed control before lawn planting or something like that. Use that. And seven days later, you can plant the seed. Okay, good. All right, now, I also have sun and shade, and I was thinking of one versus the other. That's, uh, say, Pennington has a uh, sun and shade, and also a St. Augustine. Uh, St. Augustine is good for the shade, but which one would you recommend one over the other? Fescue, the sun and shade fescue mixture. 
Okay. This Prince is 77. That sounded pretty good. Yeah, but that? that's full, full sun. Don't even try that, Benny Boy. If you've got some shade in there, that Prince is 77 is going to be unhappy there. Full sun is what Bermuda needs. And even though it's pretty, it's got to have a lot of sunshine to make Princess 77 look its best. It is 6.58 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. 